What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? Like Nation News Podcast. My name is Solomon Ali at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. You're joined by Forrest Walker at Do Not on Twitter. How you doing, man? I am doing pretty good. I had a day off today. I didn't expect. Yeah, you guys definitely deserve an explanation as to why we haven't podcasted in two weeks. So what happened was I just came back from Las Vegas like two week, two days ago, and I was there for SBC and Summer League. I brought my podcasting equipment with me to Vegas, but I just never got the chance to record because I was so busy. But I had fun. I met a lot of interesting people from around the league. I talked to executives, coaches, scouts. And by the way, shout out to you guys. Because I had about four or five people tell me that they either follow me on Twitter, listen to the podcast, or are at least vaguely aware of our website. And for a small Rockets blog like us, that truly means a lot. Sometimes it feels like we're, we're speaking to the void a little bit on this podcast. And even though we see the podcast numbers, and even though we see the fan interaction on Twitter, and we get emails. It, it just means a lot to see it in person at an NBA nerd convention like Summer League. <laughs> you know, like, like our brand is recognized there. So shout out to you guys, truly. Well, it sounds like it was a lot of fun. It looked like it was a lot of fun. Summer League seemed pretty wacky this year. Yeah, I mean, it, it's getting more and more packed, uh, I've noticed. Like, And this is my first year actually being there. But it's, it's getting really, really, like, and... Everybody there just seems so relaxed. Like, it, like there's not, there's nothing really major going on. Like, free agency is kind of in the background at this point, so no one's really, you know, on edge. And there's not, there's not that many executives on phone calls. They're just kind of just walking around freely around the the bowels of summer league. And like, it's it's pretty crazy what what they'll tell you off the record. Like, it's just they're just so relaxed. And like, especially in that environment, like where like. Again, we're not. Dirt, there's no games going on, no trade deadline, no, no, no anything. I mean, free agency is going on, but it's like we're getting towards the latter stages of it, and most teams have wrapped up their free agency. So it's executives are more relaxed. They're just kind of they're just kind of roaming around. Coaches, same. I mean, coaches don't really have much to go to do during free agency in general. So they're they're completely relaxed. Like it's. It's funny, like it's it, it's just it's just fun watching these guys um, be at ease and watch these young guys try to young guys and young coaches try to get in try to break into the NBA. It's it's just it's fun. It's it's really fun. It's a nerd convention at the at the peak of nerd conventions. Like you see faces you see on Twitter every single day, just walking around, and it's 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 a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Well, I'll have to go one. Well, you just cut off. What was that? Oh, I need to go to that one day. Maybe one of these days I'll get out to Las Vegas and uh, gamble all of my money away. I'm actually up. I was actually up. I left Vegas up $120, so I feel pretty accomplished. Though it took me 10 days to get that. I, I, I feel <laughs> I feel pretty I feel pretty accomplished. $12 a day. You can't beat that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, again. Shout out to you guys. I did not expect that. Truly did not expect that. Like it just you you tell people your name and you tell people you're from Houston and then they recognize you. Obviously, I don't have my face plastered around social media, so it, it, it's 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 great. It's great. Like I I, I that really threw me aback. Um, and I told everybody about it as soon as I found time to. Uh, 
So, where do we start, man? Like, I guess we should go in chronological order, huh? Uh, yeah, so I th- so what was the, the first thing that happened after the last episode? I think that was uh, that was Luca Shard and Bamute, right? Right, so Mbamute signed a four, one-year, $4.2 million deal with the Clippers, and obviously a lot's happened since, so I guess I'll start with what was your in-the-moment reaction to this? In the moment. Uh, it felt extremely disappointing. Uh, <laughs> uh, it really was. In addition to losing Trevor Ariza, it just felt like a pretty a pretty big loss, because um, they lost both of those wing defenders that they needed to go along with uh, with with Tuck. So yeah, it just was a, a the further slide of the offseason to that point, and it uh, didn't look good at the time. Yeah, I gotta say, when I saw this news, I thought the Rockets were like, just, you know, strictly in the moment, I thought they were having a terrible offseason. In fact, I even wrote a post for the site about it. While, while there was still time for Moore to recover for this, like, I believe that he would, like, I actually thought he would recover from this. The combination of losing Mbamute and Trevor Ariza in one offseason while dragging out negotiations with Clint Capello felt like a disaster offseason at the, at the time. It just, it just, I mean, and... It's still not a great one. Like it's there's they've recovered substantially from from that, but at at the point at that mo at that point in time, like they lost both of their small forwards, and it looked like they're going to start the season with PJ Tucker starting at small forward, um, and it it just looked like you lost a lot of depth there, and and Bob Mute specifically was the Rockets' best defender, like truly an elite defender that you had lost. Um, who gave you big contributions during the regular season. I know he didn't play during the playoffs, but, I mean, if he had played, that would have been a huge boost to the Rockets. And retaining that type of asset, I felt like, was a big priority, especially after losing Trevor Ariza. Um, and, I tr- I mean, to be honest, I, I still kind of believe this. I thought the Rockets should have gave it, should have given him their taxpayer MLE. Like, just give him the full taxpayer MLE and outbid any other team like the Clippers, from getting Luke Richard and Bamute. But, I mean, I guess the Rockets have other plans for that taxpayer mid-level exception. And, um, I, I mean, in hindsight, it, losing him, while it still hurts, you, you, you definitely prefer to have Luke and Bamute. They've recovered a little bit from that point. Uh, yeah, it has turned up a little bit since then. Uh, that was kind of the low point of the offseason so far. Right. Uh and not too long after that came uh, the next thing. But, uh, yeah, my question about Luke is we don't know how uh, how much his injury is going to affect him going forward. We're not in that locker room. He did he, – when he came back, which was too soon, he was basically useless on offense. Uh, he couldn't even make a layup, but perhaps that will resolve itself with time. Maybe his shoulder is going to be appreciably worse from now on. We won't really know until this coming season. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people watched that Western Conference Finals and thought Mbamute was just that bad, this, that bad on offense in general. And that's not true. Mbamute was actually a net, a, just a net zero on offense. Like he didn't give you much, and he didn't take away from much. Like he was, he was a good cutter, uh, shot the ball okay, and he was, he wasn't as bad as the Western Conference Finals indicated. His shoulder was just so messed up, and again, you're you're 100 right. We don't know what his medical situation is. Um, he's getting up there in age. He's turning 33 pretty soon, and you know, I you gotta figure that the Rockets just were not willing to give up that taxpayer MLE. Like I I really do think it was a matter of reserving that for someone else who we'll talk about later in this podcast. Um, but yeah, as we as we said, they did recover a little bit. Um, they signed James Ennis to a two-year minimum, and the second year is a player option on that on that deal. Uh, James Ennis is a fine um, Luke Mbamute replacement. I th- I thought he's you know he gives you like ninety percent of what Mbamute gives you um, for at a much younger age and without the sketchy injury history. Um, but I would have preferred to, to keep Mbamute personally because I think he's a more polished player, a more polished defender, but. Again, James Ennis is not bad. Like I, I thought I had that circled as someone the Rockets should have went after in general, anyways, because he was just out there on the market and he looked like he was a, he was possible to be had. 
That's fine. He's a, I I think I think right as of this moment, um, he's probably the Rockets starting small forward. Like I I don't know who else they could possibly start in that spot unless they truly do believe in moving PJ Tucker up to that starting small forward spot and bringing Ryan Anderson back into the starting rotation. I don't yeah. think that's going to be the case. I think as of right now, it looks like James Ennis is going to be the Rockets' opening day starter. Uh, yeah, depending on what happens after the offseason, though. Right. We, they still can make more moves. Uh, we don't know what they could or will be, though we, I'm sure, have our own thoughts of what they should be. Yeah, and uh, this, I mean, I, this felt like a Band-Aid move, in my in my opinion. I, I would call this, I would call this very much a recovery move from, so, like, the Rockets are basically right where they were, right where they were after they lost Trevor Reza. They still need more wing depth, and um, getting, you know, getting... James Ennis totally helps in recovering from losing in Mute. You're still not where you were at the beginning of the season. Objectively, the Rockets are a worse team um, from end of the season to where they are right now. I would say, I mean, even the most diehard fans would agree that they are, right as of right now, a worse team going into the season. Yeah, and how much is up to some debate. Uh, it's probably not so much that's going to be a huge problem for them in the regular season, but any drop-off at all is a huge problem for uh, the playoffs, or at least during a certain point in the playoffs. But yeah, they're definitely a little bit worse right now. We don't know how much yet, though. Right. And uh, immediately following this, now we're getting to this pretty quick, Um, immediately following this, a report came out by Jonathan Fagan that Clint Capella was actually offered a five-year, $85 million offer sheet on opening night uh, that contradicted uh, the report that he was offered, like, something like, what was it, like, four for 60 or something? Yeah, it was something low? very low. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I I'm, I'm tend to believe Fagan on these matters. I'll put it that way. Yeah, Fagan and, and Mark Berman are, like, 1A, 1B in terms of locked into Rockets. Uh, reporting like in terms of local guys you're not going to get anything better than that like I, I i always i mean you guys always see me tweet this i always tweet guys you should trust during the off season and uh 90% of nba news is broken by like 10 10 guys and the other 10% is broken by guys like Fagan and Mark Berman like and in terms of local guys you're not going to get much better than that so he is a very trusted source he hears a lot of crap that he just doesn't report on a daily basis like he hears more chatter than you would believe, and I think um, I I do believe the Rockets offered somewhere in this neighborhood. Like I, th- I thought the four for sixty, even I thought that was like for Daryl. I thought that was unbelievably low of an offer sheet for Clint Capella. I just thought I just had a hard time believing that was the offer sheet given to him. But yeah, five for eighty five. I'd say that's reasonable. That's a reasonable starting point. I think Capella's group would like to get paid probably north of that like uh not much but probably you know we're talking two to three million dollars a year more than that that's what they're probably what their group is probably looking forward to getting paid and it just looks like there's not that much money out there honest i mean there it, it doesn't look like there is not that much money out there other than sacramento they're the only team that can really give clint capella a significant offer sheet right now and the rockets would likely match anything that he's given by sacramento so I mean, as of right now, I mean, Clint Capella is... The Rockets and Clint Capella are still in somewhat of a limbo, but hearing that that offer sheet was much higher is definitely a positive. And Fagan also added that the Rockets officials believe that Clint Capella will, in fact, return to the team um, unless something drastically crazy happens. Like, it's Clint Capella will be back on the Rockets. I mean, now... Capella's camp has that bullet in their chamber of signing that qualifying offer. If they feel like they aren't going to get an offer they are happy with, uh, they could return for that one-year qualifying offer deal and bolt next year in free agency. That is something to watch. That I don't think that's going to happen. I do think they're eventually going to end up caving and sign like somewhat north that a reported offer. Like it might be a very much a. Um, a Tristan Thompson situation where both sides may just sign a smaller, a small upgrade over that reported offer, uh, just to save face at the end. Like I, I feel like that might be the end, of, the ending re- resolution to this. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that his team was angling for the max, and I think that in some markets he could have gotten that. Uh, Not but- this one. <laughs> 
Not this one. As you said, Sacramento is the only team that can offer him anything even close to what he wants. Like they're the only team that can offer him honestly anything above the qualifying offer. Uh, so this is a horrible nightmare market. Uh, he has no chance of getting a max. Like even Sacramento can't offer him the max. Uh, he's probably going to have to accept something a little bit south of twenty a year. Uh, which is pretty close to what the Rockets were offering him. I think they'll meet up there. I think they'll meet up at either like four years, 80, or maybe like, you know, five years, 100 or something, maybe five years, like 95. Uh, Which, by the way, like is a lot less than even I thought he would be getting. Like I I thought he would get like pretty close to max. And I mean, it shows that, man, like the the market is tight, tight. And there seems to be an overcorrection going on right now. With all these one-year deals and and ridiculously low offer sheets, like Mbappe Mute is worth more than one year, four point two million dollars. Like he is worth absolutely probably your mid-level exception, your standard mid-level exception, and he's only getting squeezed like this because he's in the he's in the market he is. And same thing for Clint Capella, he's probably worth maybe what Stephen Adams got, you know, twenty a year, five years. That's probably the offer sheet Clint Capella is worth, and it's it just looks like. This market is really, really. I mean, there's, there's an overcorrection going on right now, and God knows if that if that even resolves itself next summer, because there is going to be a noticeable increase in salary. But at the same time, there's going to be over 200 free agents as of this moment. There's going to yeah. be 200 it's be a huge free disaster agents. next season. Next offseason is going to be an incredible, incredible chaos, and a lot of free agents are going to be very disappointed because there's only so much money available out there, and they all think they're all going to get it. Uh, so th- that money is going to go pretty quickly, and it's going to be a similar thing where people are going to be very upset. I'm actually kind of worried about restricted free agency in general. Uh, it's not built for this kind of market, and it's kind of a problem in general. It's bad for uh, it's bad for labor. And it kind of fosters resentment between team and player, I think. And right now, you know, like Clint Capella's got to be furious that he's losing millions and millions of dollars just because uh, Ryan Anderson happened to get that money, basically. <laughs> you know, right. uh, that's that's what ruined this for him. And it's, you know, he has no real leverage. All he can do is threaten to, like, ruin his own situation to get a little bit more money out of the Rockets. And I honestly kind of think that whatever whatever number they come down to might be a bit disappointing for both sides. Like that's, that's the the nightmare is if they settle on a deal and it just like, they both resent each other for it, but eh, with enough time, it'll probably w- wouldn't be a big deal, but it's, it's not great. It doesn't help a team chemistry to be having these kind of relationships. I think it'd be a lot better for everybody if he could go out there and get like a pretty good offer from someone and then just have it matched uh, to set his own price but it seems like right now he's having no luck with that because no one's going to give him like the 24 or whatever he's looking for. Yeah, and, and as a side as a side note, like this kind of confirms a lot that we know about Daryl Morey up to this point. Like 2016 was the exception to Daryl Morey's uh co- the amount of money Daryl Morey typically hands out in an offseason to a non-star players. Like I think I think it this kind of confirms a lot of what we a lot of what we think about Daryl. Like he is not going to give that max contract up. To just anybody, he's going. You have to be a proven star commodity for Daryl Morey to give you a max contract. Like I mean, like if you look back to even Kyle Lowry's negotiations with the Rockets back in what was it, like 2012 or something like that. It was like way back then, way way back when. Like Kyle Lowry was a kind of what Clint Capella is right now. Like he was a close to a star player, not there yet, right? He was he was a very very good yeah. role player. And the Rockets just weren't willing to budge on giving him a huge, huge offer sheet because Daryl Morey in general is very, very specific about cap, cap allocation. Like he's very, very, you know, I, I mean, and it it serves him well in the long term, right? I mean, if you look at even Chandler Parsons four years ago, that served him very well up until now. I mean, because the amount of cap space the Rockets had in 2016 I mean, they, they just wouldn't have had if they given Chandler Parsons that deal because he always keeps his rosters flexible. And to do that, you can only give that max contract up to someone who is, you know, a proven, proven star commodity, not someone who is borderline. That confirmed a lot of what we know about Daryl Moore to me. Yep, he is very prudent. Uh, and he's also employed by the Houston Rockets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you know what you alluded to it then there let's 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 go ahead and sidetrack and talk about this. Do you think a lot of what's happening this summer 
is a direct result of ownership change. I'm not sure yet, and I'm not willing to go there because we're just one year into it, and this is very familiar to what Daryl, the way Daryl's operated the past, God knows how long, like eleven years. Like he's operated like this for the Rockets for the longest time. So I'm I'm not willing to say a lot of what the Rockets are doing this summer is be it's a direct result of ownership. Like uh, there was a column written by um, I'm forgetting the name. Hold on, give me a second. Uh, Tim McMahon Tim McMahon of ESPN he reached out to Tillman Fertitta and Tillman was basically saying that they hadn't even discussed luxury tax payments in, off, in the offseason so far and I find that hard to believe because because obviously you're going to discuss luxury tax payments particularly for a team like <laughs> yeah. this you'd be and, a fool not to right right um, but at the same time I'm not willing to like say blame this on for Tita yet like we have no idea what's going on behind closed doors and this isn't out of the norm for Daryl man like this just isn't like you I mean again remember the Parsons negotiations very similar to this like it's it's not out of the norm at all for Daryl to squeeze restricted free agents that want large sums of money that aren't getting it on the on the market yeah, uh, and he definitely can afford to do that right now. Uh, I, so, what are your thoughts? At least with Capella, I don't know yet. Um, as as I said before, I think that we're going to find out with the Capella signing more about what this uh, what the team is all about at the moment. Because right now, uh, it's hard to judge. Like they probably shouldn't have signed uh, a Trevor Reese to that contract. If he really was getting fifteen million, that's that's honestly way too high for him. Uh, so that's not really a mark against him that they didn't want to give him fifteen million. Now, if the question, but we don't know what's happening behind the scenes, right? Like potentially he would have stayed for a lower number, but they, you know, but they weren't going to give him that lower number as well. Uh, so we're not sure what, exactly why he left, whether it was just flat out he got a much higher deal they couldn't match, or whether he wanted like maybe like 10 and they didn't offer it to him, and so he went somewhere else. We can't know. I'm not trying to say either way. Uh, <laughs> no one quote me on, on that, just saying like we're not sure what happened there, so it might be totally reasonable. It might be that the ownership is being cheap. We don't know. Uh, Luke Chardenbaum-Mute, that's a little bit more troubling. It does seem like they're trying to save that mid-level exception for someone we'll talk about soon enough um uh but we'll have to see about that one as well because if it really was that they 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 feel that luke is much worse than he was last season like if he has suffered some some damage on that shoulder it's not going to be reparable very quickly uh then we'll have to we'll have to see it might be reasonable that they that they let him go but also if they it's not working out that way if they just really preferred this other person, uh, then it looks kind of bad. So we don't know yet. We need more data on what they do over the summer on how they handle their cap space and their luxury tax to really see whether it makes sense uh, for them to do what they're doing in a basketball perspective or a money perspective or the the most reasonable case, a little bit of both. Because let's be real, you do care about luxury tax. It's it's an actual thing. It's just you need to balance with that and, and the basketball performance. Yeah, and I talked to someone at Summer League who would know, and uh, they basically said that like, don't look at the roster now. Look at it on April fifteenth. Like, and Daryl, this is something Daryl says a lot, right? He echoes this sentiment a lot. Like, be prudent. Like, I I know you guys want this roster to be finished by the time the season starts, but like, they they're just a lot of time to fix, to tweak, and hone the roster to a playoff caliber performer. And he's he's done this throughout the history of his tenure. I mean, if you just look at last last year where he picked up guys like Gerald Green and Joe Johnson midway through the year, um, and Gerald Green ended up being a real contributor uh, for the Rockets, and now is now back with the Rockets this season. Like Daryl does not finish his work uh, during the summer, and um, I think you know that's just something to watch for. Like I, I think right now their off season looks kind of. You know, uninteresting and bland and uh, a little bit alarming in terms of how much they've regressed. It's not finished yet, right? And I think I think we get we, we give them the benefit of the doubt for right now, and we'll see. I mean, I don't. As far as ownership, I I I'm, I again, I just want to give this five to ten years. 
before we judge ownership. Like, it took us a long-ass time before we had a good handle on what Les Alexander was all about. I mean, we had these same questions about him, again, like, 10 years ago in terms of luxury tax and stuff like that. Like, is this is this specific Rockets team a big spender? When do they finally start, you know, shelling out for, for agents? And I think we figure that out now. I mean, we're going to figure that out in 5 to 10 years and. We need a larger sample size is what, I, is what I'm getting at. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to what we've been kind of tabling uh, throughout the podcast. <laughs> uh, Houston has ramped up their pursuit of Carmel Anthony. Uh, Carmel Anthony is still with the Oklahoma City Thunder for now, but he's expected to be either stretch waived or traded to another team with salary cap space and then waived from there. I mean, bought out from there. And... Houston is expected to be the the front runner to land Carmelo Anthony once he is released. Um, and honestly, like I wrote about this, I and this is truly puzzling. Uh, the Rockets' pursuit of Carmelo Anthony it, it made some sense last summer. You could have talked yourself into a brand new Carmelo Anthony and a new system, a new environment, uh, a you know Olympic mellow or whatever you want to call it, like. Like, all that stuff, you could have talked yourself into a Carmel Anthony that's revitalized, refocused, willing to take accept a new role. But, I mean, after what we saw this last season with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and, I mean, I just, again, in general, I've never been a Carmel Anthony guy. I've never been an MCW guy. A lot of what the Rockets are doing this summer is truly puzzling in terms of guys they're pursuing that I just don't like. Like, I'm not a big fan of Carmen Anthony, and I, I'm not really sure his game's going to translate as well as they do, but, I mean, they've been after him for damn near a decade now, and they're just persistent in saying, and, and Daryl was on The Herd, like, I believe earlier this week, and said that he thinks that, I mean, he, he never said Carmel Anthony's name directly, right? He That would be tampering, but he was very careful in, in, in saying that he believes certain players can fit better in their environment, than in other environments. And he was obviously alluding to Carmelo Anthony and uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And he he made the comparison to Gerald Green, right? Gerald Green didn't work in a lot of other environments when the, when the Rockets brought him in. Um, again, I wasn't a fan of that signing either. And he made a lot of, he made a lot of sense um, as the, as time went on in Mike D'Antoni's system. And I I I just still I I'm. I'm this is all I'm t- all I'm talking right now is rationalization. I'm trying to rationalize a Carmelo Anthony signing in my head. I am not a fan of this. Like I, I truly do not think Carmelo Anthony's game is going to translate to anything very positive on the Rockets. And it's, and you've talked about this um, to me with in group chat uh, in other podcasts. Like the Rockets are chasing the Warriors right now. Every move they should they make right now should be focused and tailored towards. A game six and seven against the Warriors, and I'm not sure if Carmelo Anthony, frankly, is able to be be able to be played in a game like that. And I I, I just don't understand. I, I truly don't understand why they're why they're going after Carmelo Anthony. Um, we'll see. Yeah, uh, I think he widens your realm of possibility quite a bit. Like he does have upside, but he also has a lot of downside too. Uh, we really don't know how it's going to go until it goes. Uh, he could potentially be very useful in the regular season because uh, he is going to be able to score on a lot of teams, especially if he's used in a better fashion than he was on a uh, on the Thunder, who just kind of had him hanging out at the perimeter and shoot threes sometimes. Which is, we'll say it's not really his game. Uh, he can he 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 works from elsewhere, so potentially he could be very useful. Um, I don't know that it's going to matter in the playoffs. As, as like you said, I'm a firm believer that he's unplayable versus the Warriors. They're going to seek and destroy uh, on every possession that he's involved in. They're going to find they're going to switch him onto whoever they want, and then they're going to go at him, and he's not going to be able to keep up with guards. Uh, he does not have the tools he needs. Uh, to defend properly and he was never a great defender and he's getting older so i'm not i'm not hopeful about it i don't care for i don't think his game is good he's he is talented but he's also 34 uh i'm not on board 
I I could be convinced, and I'll probably like wait and see if and when they go ahead and do it. Uh, and he may be the best guy left out there who's available to be signed to a mid-level exception, but none of that's very encouraging to me. Uh, I don't think that move would make me feel the offseason has gone better. I'm not sure if it would make me feel that it's gone worse, but it definitely wouldn't make me feel any better. Yeah, it's 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 truly bizarre. Um, I, I really don't understand it. Like, and, and this is an organization that's you know obviously built upon the analytics and the advanced metrics, and those hate Carmel Anthony. Like, they truly do not favor him at all. Um, I I I don't understand it. As you said, like teams are going to target the hell out of him, hell out of him in pick and roll, and it's it's just a bizarre fit. And the Mike D'Antoni stuff definitely comes to mind. And at the same time, like, and I wrote about this, like, the fact that this is Daryl Morey running this organization and running this team always gives you second, like, it makes you second guess yourself whenever you're thinking that they're wrong, right? Whenever you think that they're not doing something correctly, it's always in the back of your mind that Daryl Morey is running is, is running the ship and he's done some puzzling things before that have turned out to be great, like, the Josh Smith signing, like I, I was never a fan of that, and that turned out to be great. The Gerald Green signing, I was never a fan of that. That turned out to be great. Like you can go, on, you can go on down the line. There are things that Daryl Morey does that you know truly make you scratch your head, and they usually end up being right. And I, I just that's the only thing that gives me pause. If it was any other organization that was going after Carmel Anthony, I, I would be, you know. I, I would be completely against this. The only reason I'm only 75% against this now is that 25% is me trusting that Daryl Morey is, knows what the hell he's doing, right? And I'm not sure if you feel the same way. That's It's always, over you know, over the years in, in blogging about this team, like this has always been the thing that's that's made me, you know, pump the brakes in terms of just saying they aren't doing the right thing here. This is completely wrong. I, I don't understand it. Blah blah blah, like like, and at the same time, Daryl's been wrong before. I mean, Joe Johnson was somebody they picked up this year who was absolutely washed. Um, I mean, and, and, <laughs> sure was. And, and if you look at uh, Chinani Onuwaku in summer league, the guy is just not an NBA player. Not 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 at all. Ha- has not shown any promise, and they signed him to a multi-year deal. Like he's been wrong before, and you know, like it's it's tough. It's 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 tough. Like I I it's. I'm st- you're stuck between a, a rock and a hard place here. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I think that worst case scenario. Okay, honestly, actually, the worst case scenario is probably that he is useful in the regular season, and it's a big pain in the butt during the playoffs, and they can't really play him. But he's mad if they don't want to play him, and it's a huge hurt to team chemistry. But I think that's kind of unlikely. I think more likely, if it's not working out, they just kind of cut their losses and move on. Uh, which would be a bit of a disappointment given that they have other options to use that uh, that middle exception on. Honestly, I'd feel a lot better if he takes a a, uh, a minimum. If he takes a minimum, then it's a pretty low downside move. It's a pretty low-risk move. But we'll have to see. Uh, it looks like he's probably going to take a mid-level, and I'm not super excited about that, but it's not a horrible risk. Right, and, and there's the opportunity cost there, right? Like, if he takes the taxpayer MLE, I mean, you could have used that on, on Luka Bamute, who we know can be useful in a Warriors series, who we know can be useful throughout the regular season, and, you know, is a very, very good defender, who which Carmen Anthony is not. And I just... And somebody who will accept his role came off the bench last year, was perfectly happy about it, uh, and, and contributed well. Are we sure Coman Anthony is okay with coming off the bench at this stage in his career? I mean, he he completely scoffed off the idea just this past summer when he, when the Thunder got eliminated. Like, our, like it's just like it's gonna take a lot of convincing to to get Carmelo to buy into a a bench role. Which, by the way, if he comes on the Rockets, like he is not a starter. He is not a starter yeah. on this team. Like, I, I I'm sorry. Yeah, like, absolutely. Uh, if that's what the Rockets have in mind, they are. I will say that right now. They are wrong in, if they if they start him this year. I, I think he is someone who, at this point in his career, on a championship contender, is a bench player. He is not a starter. Yeah, I don't think he would be starting. And as you said, if he does, that's a huge problem. Um, 
I have people have said that potentially he's being talked to about having a bench role. Hopefully it's the plan that they're going to let him know exactly what they plan to do with him before they do it. Uh, so that if he doesn't, if he really doesn't want to do that, then he just can go ahead and not come on over. Uh, that seems fine to me. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't mind if he uh, just decided to, to go somewhere else because he's not into it. Yeah, it's 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 really weird. It, it's again the only thing that gives you that makes you second guess that it's not a bad move is that it's Daryl Moore making the move, right? Like I, I, I if it if it were like if this were let's just say Neil O'Shea or let's just say um, Rich Cho making this move, right? We would completely just be like, I don't what the hell are the Rockets doing? Why are they even why are they even bothering trying to go down this well again? Like I just, the only thing that's giving us pause is that it's Daryl Morey. Otherwise, we would just be like tearing this team to shreds, and it's it's very much a wait and see thing, right? We're gonna have to see how this all plays out in the regular season. We're gonna see how his, his talents play. You want to talk about how it could work? Uh, be a little bit optimistic before you end the show. Sure. Uh, I mean, he potentially could be another creator, which they badly need. Uh, as you might recall, whenever both Harden and Chris Paul sat down, the team just cratered on offense. Right. And he could potentially provide some shooting. Like, he is a capable shooter, a better shooter than Luke and Bamute. We can at least say that. Um, he can, you know, in terms of an upgrade over Ryan Anderson, he can at least attack closeouts. Like uh, he, you know, if given the opportunity, like he can uh, dribble, and that's something we can't say about. Uh, we can't say <laughs> about uh, Ryan Anderson, and you know, I mean, that's pretty much it. Like uh, that's that's all I've been able to come up with. I'm sorry. Like I just, <laughs> I'm not a fan of the signing. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, the, the pursuit is really puzzling. It's really puzzling to me. Uh, if if it were if it works out great, like I, I will fully admit that I was wrong. I I want I want to be wrong about this uh, because if if it if it, if I am wrong, it's a great story. You know, yeah. Carmel Anthony revitalized in Houston. The, the Rockets found a really key gem here for uh, if it works out a reasonable price. Um, you know, it, it'd be a great story, especially since the Rockets have been chasing Carmelo since he's been like since like age 28 like back when he was in the middle of his prime in denver like they were among the teams heavily rumored to trade for him when carmelo demanded his trade right like he's definitely an upgrade over ryan anderson right so uh... i I think he is (laughs) given that ryan anderson both couldn't shoot and couldn't defend at the end there and couldn't dribble uh ryan anderson in the western conference finals was like utterly unplayable there's no way that Melo could be worse than that. <laughs> they had to pull him after like a minute or whatever. It was a nightmare. So I don't think it's a great move, but uh, if it's in a way an upgrade from if it's an upgrade from Anderson to Melo, I think it's worth doing, uh, especially given that it looks like the salaries would be much different. Yeah, like, I, I, th- I, th- I, I think you have to talk yourself into this being an upgrade over Joe Johnson. Over, like, because, like, the, the bar, like, he, you have to, in your in your mind, if you're rationalizing this, you can't set your, you can't set your bar up to, like, a rotation level player, which Ryan Anderson is. You have to set your, you have to set your bar up to, like, someone who was a complete zero for the Rockets last year, which was Joe Johnson, right? Like, someone who was at the end of your bench who you could, you just couldn't play and just became, um, truly washed like towards the end of the season like it it, re- it really was sad watching joe johnson like play in garbage time units for the rockets like that's that should be the bar in my opinion like ryan anderson i actually think he could play a little bit in a Warriors series i mean he did play a little bit i mean he provides really quality shooting like and i know he's had some rough stints especially at at home for the rockets but he is really really a top one percent three-point shooter especially at his position he is Probably the best three-point shooting forward in the NBA. Um, not named Kevin Durant, right? Like, he is a dead-eye shooter. And you can't say anything about Carmel Anthony at this point in his career. It's particularly elite. Like, he has good footwork. He is um, a decent shooter. He is a terrible defender. Uh, he can dribble a little bit. And that's pretty much it. That's 
That's pretty much the Carmelo Anthony experience. Yes, he provides nothing that is elite. Uh, you can you can say Ryan Anderson provides elite three-point shooting. He does sometimes. He should. He <laughs> should provide that. Uh, that's the expectation. But the reality doesn't always match it. Uh, I think that if... Right, I'll say this. If their offseason includes Ryan Anderson getting traded for to, to bring in a 3-and-D type guy, like a Bazemore or something like that, this offseason looks a hell of a lot better. Uh, and but we don't know what's going to happen until it happens. Can we talk about uh, the Rockets and their first round pick for next year, real quick? Sure. Okay, so I'm not sure what's going on with the Rockets, and like the, the thought's been creeping into my head as of late that they may not trade their 2019 first round pick anymore. And I was almost certain that they would this summer to get off of Ryan Anderson's contract. And the more and more time passes, I, I there's a small you know inkling in my brain that thinks that they're keeping the powder dry for something potentially better, and you know maybe collecting assets. Like they've been really good at, at refilling the cupboard uh, after trading for star talent. Like if you look at the last time they made a major trade that wasn't Chris Paul, I mean the Ty Lawson trade, right? They they recovered pretty well off of that, and they refilled their cupboard off the back end. They got guys like Sam Decker, Montrezl Harrell, um, and they you know, kept all their first-round picks moving forward. A, a small part of me thinks that they're they're keeping on to this pick, and they're, they draft it or they, uh, they trade it for something significantly better than Kent Bazemore. Like, there's a small part of me that believes that Daryl is playing the long game, and refilling their young assets, like in terms of being a potential trade suitor for possibly another significant talent. Like, I, and, you know, that's just a crazy hypothetical. I still think that they're probably going to move on from that 2019 first-round pick, either by this, uh, the regular season or at the trade deadline. But the thought has, has at least crept into my mind that they may keep it and, you know continue to collect assets, get a young talent, perhaps, you know, hold on to him for a little bit. I don't know. That, that, that's just me. Have you have you thought have you given that some thought at all? Not really. I've I I feel like I have given up trying to predict Maury's moves more than like a couple of moves out <laughs> ever. Uh I don't know. I think he'll do whatever is going to be the most useful for the team. That's what he usually does. He's either going to try to improve the team right now or uh I don't think they're going to pay draft picks just to get rid of Ryan Anderson, uh, but I do think that if they uh, if they can find a move that makes a team notably better, that they will spend some draft picks to do it if necessary. Uh, but yeah, I do, it would be nice. I mean, if they'd like to, uh, if they'd like to refill their assets, they'd like to to make some good draft picks. I mean. They seem like they've landed some pretty good picks this season. Uh, how did uh? By the way, how did how did how did Melton look out there in person? Okay, we got to talk about this. Man, Melton and Isaiah Hardenstein look like complete jewels for the Rockets right now. Uh, particularly Melton. Melton was obviously drafted in late, like mid second round, and was projected to be a lottery pick. And even at the time, I mean, after the draft when we recorded, like we thought that was a steal for the Rockets. Like the guy was. Projected to be a lottery level talent. If you if you watch him in person, looks every bit as good as what draft experts thought he would be. Like Drew Hanlon really did a number with the shot. It looks completely re- remade, and we had heard rumblings about him uh, re reforming his jumper in tra- in workouts with other teams. Like he had worked out for other teams, and what you consistently heard coming out of those workouts were, man, his jump shot looks completely different, right? And watching it in summer league, the guy looks really, really polished um, as a passer, as a defender. He has some of the highest IQ I've ever seen. Guy has a lot of heart. There was a play where he made a really ridiculously difficult layup, fell on the ground, and got up and intercepted the inbound pass uh, for the other team. So the other team had started to inbound after he fell from that layup and he, he intercepted it from his back. Like his back was facing the out of bounds line. He, he, he caught the ball and the entire arena was like, Oh my God, what the hell is this kid? 
and he he shot the ball. If he had made that line, if he had made that three, I am convinced I would not be here today. I'm convinced I would not have made it out of summer league because that building was on a string after that. Like making that layup, catching that pass, and if he had made that three, oh my god, like oh my god, this kid is he has a lot of heart, and I I've, I haven't got a chance to look. Uh, a lot at every summer league game the Rockets have played. I have it on DVR, and I'm I'm really looking forward to watching guys. Like I've heard a lot of things about Daniel House, uh, Kyle Chilik of our website was a real G League nerd for us, and he watches a lot of a lot of it. He's put us on to Daniel House for a while, and he says he's really good and and apparently performed well in summer league. But yeah, I'm looking forward to watching this. Hardenstein looked good too, like the night and day from last. Summer League. Like, I'm, I still don't think he's probably ready for the NBA yet. But in terms of being a legitimate prospect and a project, looked pretty good. See, so, yeah, that's great to hear. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about their draft picks. As always, I, I love for them to have draft picks uh, because they're oh, by good the way, at drafting. Ch- Chinanu yeah. Anuaku, really bad. Really bad. Yeah. And, and in yeah, person, to... yeah, in person, like, it's the guy just didn't play, didn't touch the floor. And, like, on the bench, he just had like a nonchalant de- demeanor about him. Like he really didn't feel like he. It really felt like after he got that contract, they just felt like he felt really much more like a gimmick in terms of the free throw thing. You know, th- shooting yeah. granny style free throws. After that, I mean, it's he. He really looks like a bust at this point, and I. I really. I, I rarely ever use that word, but it, he might just be a bust, and um, and I. I don't see him. Being on the roster long term, uh, but in terms do, of do you want to do you want to hear a Nanu story? Go ahead, man. Uh, yeah, so I, with some friends and I went to a uh, an Austin Stars game fairly recently, a couple months ago or whatever, uh, and they were playing against the Valley Vipers. So I actually got to see the Valley Viper squad, you know, in person up in up in Austin uh, play against the, the the Spurs team, and Nanu was terrible. Uh, he was just bad. <laughs> so yeah, like Jochi was just like miles better than him easily. Yeah, he looks like just dead salary at this point. Like it's really unfortunate that it, like that was one of the few Mori mistakes of this decade. Like in terms of just an absolute miss and giving him that contract was. I mean, they clearly had leverage at that point uh, because he was an intriguing prospect coming out, and um, the Rockets were clearly high on him. But the, he's just. He's just he, really disappointing, and and like he really didn't seem that urgent uh, at summer league, and I, I I hate to be that body language guy, but I, I mean watching his body language on the bench was it just didn't look great in terms of like really didn't seem to care that he wasn't playing or that he wasn't entering the game, um, yeah, uh, other guys Zochi Zochi. Uh, Again, when he was drafted, like if you ever heard the Fran Fachilla line about Bruno Cavocolo, like he's two years away from being two years away, that was Zochi when he was drafted, and <laughs> and still looks like a project, but he's making incremental improvements. Looks really, really intriguing defensively, offensively. Um, you know, he he can do some stuff. He can shoot. He can um, he provides some post touch, but like I mean, it's really defensively where he's at intrigue and you know he's added just incremental stuff to his game every year uh i think he i think the rockets should probably try to keep him in their system for cheap if they can um but hardenstein and mountain seem to be the big winners out of Rockets summer league they really stood out really stood out um i'm not sure if any of those guys can what even see any rockets floor time anytime soon because rockets roster is actually still pretty good Despite losing uh, 10-time All-Star Trevor Ariza and Luke Mbamute, um, <laughs> the, their roster is actually is pretty decent going forward. So it's going to be hard to see them getting any floor time. But yeah, I, 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 th- I think they have some intriguing pieces. And in terms of keeping that first-round pick going into next year, I, I would be really intrigued. Like, I mean, I'm not sure if, if it's necessarily the, the most prudent move to keep Ryan Anderson on the books moving forward. But if they elected to keep him in favor of... Having him being an expiring next year and keeping that 2019 first round pick, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, that's that's another asset. That's another piece you could use for trade. Uh, and you know, the the more assets you have, the better. And like, I, I'm 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 just I'm just keeping an eye on that pick. I'm just keeping an eye. It's one of those things where like I'm surprised it hasn't been traded yet because 
uh, initially, like the Rockets, these past six years have, have been very forthright in trading their first round picks. And next year's draft does not look good at all. In terms of top-end talent, it looks like it's going to be a big drop-off from this year's draft. So I'm surprised they have not traded it yet. And it's just something I'm keeping an eye on. Maybe they have a Ryan Anderson trade lo- locked up. Who knows? But, I mean, if if they keep him, I'd be pretty excited. I'd be pretty excited if they kept that first-round pick. I'll be excited no matter what they do because this team is really good. And if they keep it, they get a fun pick. And if they don't keep it, that means they get an upgrade. So, uh I'm just happy to be here. Happy to be here, Twitter, representing. Right. And uh, by the way, uh, there was a line at Sloan uh, a couple years ago with, with Maury. Uh, it might have been last year where uh, Maury was like, general managers are holding on to those first-round picks like cigarettes in prison. <laughs> like, like it, 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 feels like, it feels like that right now with first-round picks in the NBA. Like, they are just barely moving at this point. All of them are protected. Whenever they're, whenever first round picks are moved right at this point, like it, it's almost surprising when they're if they're not lottery protected. Like it's 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 at it's at that point where general managers are just hesitant to move those picks. So um, I, I I'm in, I'm just I'm keeping an eye on it. I'm keeping an eye on it. It's, it's one of those little tiny things that ninety percent of Rockets fans don't care about and probably shouldn't care about because it doesn't impact them impact them directly uh, next year's season but it's something to keep an eye on uh, moving forward um but yeah i i feel like we've dragged this off and dragged this off enough and we did a pretty good job at covering the la- what's happened the past two weeks rockets in a p- peculiar pace uh not sure what's gonna happen clint capella might drag on to august and he might get signed tomorrow we have no idea we have no idea what clint capella and in terms of carmel anthony same thing we have no idea when he Whenever he's going to become a free, uh, an unrestricted free agent, but that is that is expected to happen this summer, according to Royce Young. So that's something to keep an eye on. And yeah, guys, uh, so go to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter at Red Nation Hoops and at Do Nots. Uh, really appreciate the support, guys. Uh, I appreciate the iTunes reviews. I appreciate the emails, and I really appreciated uh, people telling me in person that they that you know they kept they at least had some vague idea what the site was. And yeah, guys, good night.